0: Hey everybody, this episode is brought to you by our proud title sponsor, NHL Sense Arena, the next generation of off-ice hockey training for players and goalies. Look, we know how much you invest in your children's hockey development, the early mornings, the travel, and let's not forget the expenses of training for hockey camps, private ice time, the general expenses of the season, it's a lot. But wouldn't it be great to bring that on-ice practice experience home that's fun, fits into your schedule, and that's affordable? If you said yes, which I'm sure you did, you've got to check out NHL Sense Arena. It's a top-tier virtual reality training game that brings the on-ice practice experience home so you can practice anytime and anywhere, literally. You can transform any part of your home into a virtual ice rink where you're getting unlimited access to over 100 drills, training plans from top coaches and players, weekly drill challenges, and more that focus on improving hockey sense and physical cognitive skills, starting at just $33 $33 per month. That is a lot cheaper than an hour of ice time. The physical side of hockey gets a lot of attention, but we don't focus enough on the mental side of it. It's something we talk about on this show all the time. NHL Centering provides an immersive solution for players to sharpen those skills when ice time is limited or not affordable and they want to get those extra reps in. So, for our listeners, NHL Centering is offering an exclusive $50 off their annual plan. All you got to do is head over to their website, hockey.sensorina.com. Again, hockey.sensorina.com and use our code Hockey Never stops, and you'll level up your off-ice training by using NHL Sensorina. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for supporting us and NHL Sensorina. Enjoy this episode of Our Kids Play Hockey. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Today, Mike and I dissect, going over what happens when everything kind of goes wrong for a player in a situation. We just saw this in the AFC Championship game, which I'll go over in the intro. Uh, But really how to coach players to where they're at. It's a really great conversation. We go everywhere from kind of younger ages up to older ages and just how to compartmentalize uh you know from a, what are the coaches responsibilities on a team with standards and emotions and then parents and so on so you really going to enjoy this one um also whether you're first time listener or long time listener uh we always want to thank you and, and, and ask you if, you if you haven't already to give us a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening on uh share this with friends uh, and then also join our facebook group it's a private group on facebook a lot of you've been coming in there lately uh, all you gotta do is search for our kids play hockey on facebook ask a couple of Yes or no questions, um, and you're in, and, and the conversation really continues there. So if you're looking for more of this or a place to leave uh, comments or episode ideas, that's a place, a great place to do it. You can also do that uh, by emailing us at team at our dot One of us will get back to you, literally one of the three of us. Um, and I just want to thank you guys again. You have really well the show grows every single week. Uh, we're hitting the top ten percent of podcasts on our platform, which is unbelievable, um, and and we take a lot of pride and honor in doing that uh, for you with you and and because of you so thanks so much for that and without further ado enjoy this episode of our kids play hockey Hello, hockey friends and families around the world, and welcome to another edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. I'm Lee Elias. I'm joined with my great friend, Mike Benelli. Christy Casciano-Burns is on assignment today, Mike. I love saying that since she's a news correspondent. It always makes me feel kind of cool. Today's topic, uh, you guys watch the AFC and the NFC Championship Games. My Eagles are going to the Super Bowl. Uh, Don't turn off the show yet if you're not an Eagles fan. I'm not going to talk about that. Uh, But if you watch the AFC Championship Game, At the end of the game, Joseph Asai, as many of you saw, threw Patrick Mahomes pretty hard out of bounds, causing a 15-yard penalty, putting Kansas City in field goal range, and thus getting the hatred from every Bengals fan around the country, saying, you ruined it, you destroyed us. Uh, We saw him crying on the bench after the game about his mistake. Um, And it made Mike and I start thinking, and we've been getting comments about this, I'm going to read one to you in a minute, about what happens when you have a player who's emotionally compromised, and there's a lot to dissect in me just saying that, How do you coach to that, right? How do you coach to the player that has done something like that? Now we're going to dissect that situation a little bit more in a second, but in addition to that situation, we also got a a message from one of our listeners who, again, the name has been removed to protect the innocent, but she wrote this, and it goes perfectly with what we're talking about today, which is we would love to learn a little more about how to coach through frustrations for young players who put all their emotions on the ice, stick slamming, throwing hands in the air, and maybe even getting physical with other players after they face failure, missing a pass or a shot on goal, or in this case, throwing a uh, quarterback out of bounds in field goal range. I think it all combines together. So Mike and I, from the coaching perspective, are going to kind of tackle this today, pun intended. Um, how to coach players in emotional situations, really at any time of the season. But Mike, let's start with the Joseph Asai situation, because I think you and I approach this the the, the same way in the sense of, yeah, look, it was it's a tough Play situation to end the game, but not, Bengals didn't necessarily lose on that play, right? In fact, I think if that game went on forever, the score would have just kept going back and forth. So you you and I talked about this in the pre show. I think we should just jump right in about Joseph Asai and that moment.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know. I always look at it like you know you know where a player's fault is <clears throat> when he intentionally bets on a game and loses it for the team. That's the player's fault. <laughs> right. when, when you you can't. It's so hard to blame a, 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 an athlete. Or a mistake in a in the highest stressed environment possible, and I think we all know as coaches, you know we play to our training, right? Mm-hmm. So when that player was in the position, um, you know, in a lot of ways, undisciplined. It, it's like you know, okay, you can look at it and say, "Well, it's such an undisciplined play." Well, the player, I don't think, like again, I don't, I don't know the player. I don't know the I don't know the exact situation. I guarantee the player is in his head saying, you know what? I'm going to drill this uh, quarterback, knock him out of the game. We're going to win the game because of me. Cause I'm going to hurt this player. They're just in the moment you're, you're playing. It's just like, it's a hockey player that takes a knee to knee hit. It's somebody, unfortunately, sometimes it hits a player from behind again. Are, are they, in, I don't think they're intentional. Like I think most times you see an athlete do something like that. It's not a vindictive thing. It's right. a, in the play. In the moment, losing focus in the bigger picture, and I don't want to say it's it's his fault, but it's just a, it's it's again the result of the training, and you always fall to the level of the training you have. So maybe the player's never been in a trained in a in a in a in a, in a situation where there's seconds to make a decision, milliseconds really to make a decision, and hold off. Because what happens if he holds off? And that player runs down the line right. like you're programmed to finish the play. It's, it's, you know, it's, you, you, it's like other professions. You, you're programmed to do something. And then when you do it, people say, well, why would you do that? Right. Because I'm, right. this is what I'm programmed to do. And it's so hard to lay off that programming.
0: Yeah. I think also to your point, um, I know Bengals fans out there, are a lot, a lot of people out there probably listening single, no, but you got to play Wasn't know, there a play, wasn't there a play
1: earlier? Wasn't there a play you know, earlier? that the Bengals benefited from like there's there, you right. could go way back to the first quarter and say well they benefited from getting you know a, an offsides callback call back or right or, you know so any time in the game is a crucial part of the game right like whether it happened in the first quarter or the last second maybe the first quarter if you would have made the right play and there would have been an accomplished uh return or a, or or a, or a touchdown then you wouldn't be in the situation where you're where a, a, another player could lose the game for you. Quote right.
0: unquote. I, I have always said to my teams that, look, a, a game may be decided on a play, but you didn't win or lose because of a play. You, you want <laughs> to lose because of the summation of the game. Right. And right. like you said, things happen throughout the entire game. Uh, you know, first period, first quarter, things are not as intense as the last five minutes, last 30 seconds of a game. The other thing, too, is that I, I think that you were saying, too, about it's not intentional or you're in the moment. I'm going to give two examples because I was going to say, you know, everybody who likes football is saying, but you got to know in that situation. You got to be aware and you got to know. Well, I think number one, the reaction of a player tells you if it was intentional or not. It was clearly not intentional in terms of, yeah, he wasn't thinking about the clock in that situation because he was devastated uh that he had he
1: had made that mistake. I think he even uh, got hurt on the play himself. Possibly.
0: Yeah. It look look, my point is there was clear remorse there. He felt like he had cost his team the Super Bowl, and, and he might that play obviously contributed to it. Um, that's number one. And you can see that, you know, when a player is trying to hurt somebody else, I think, but you know, they stand over them and they laugh at them, but like even Lawrence Taylor, if we're talking football, when, when he, <laughs> when he broke Theismann's leg, I mean, he was the first one, you know, get the medical people out here. Um, so I think that's first as the reactions telling the other thing too, is, you know, you know, for those of you saying, and, and, and probably, you know, you're not wrong about how he's got to know I'll turn to a hockey players. Zdeno Chara just gave a great interview about uh, when, when they were in the cup final. And when his, his jaw was broken and his body was broken, and he said he was shocked when I think it was Patrice Bergeron or someone said to him, Hey, go out there for the last shift. He didn't even realize the game was coming to an end. And he said, I don't look at the clock. I just play till the game is over, till the whistle is blown. Yeah. So these guys, even the great Zdeno Chara, they get into a zone where they're just so focused, they might not be aware. Now, listen, if again, you're in football, you do got to know that he'll learn from this, obviously. Um, but Again, it goes to the larger or or picture. Or,
1: or or at the youth level, uh, you know, even this level, or you won't, Lee, right? So, right. so players get players eliminate themselves from competition by never learning. I mean, and we see good that point. from you know eight nine year olds, like, oh, I, I can't believe this kid is so undisciplined. We got to teach this out of him. He got to do this. We got to do that, and he never learns. And then that player just doesn't play at a high level. They can't. They they can't sustain. Um, you know that just their talent is got to get them by. They have to have other means of discipline, right. To continue to play any sport. And we see it, listen, you see it in baseball where pitchers lose track of the count. You see it on downs and football and well, Brady lost the count through. one
0: time. Remember Brady? Yeah. Yeah. And was this right this guy's fourth, the, the greatest player, yeah.
1: greatest, you know, quarterback yeah. of all time. And, and it, again, people, I think it's easy for somebody in section 402 <laughs> to make a comment right. about a player and what their responsibilities are you know, compared to others. Now, again, I, like, I, I hate it when I hear my kids or any kids like, Oh, that player, uh, that player sucks. They're in the NHL. Like they don't suck. Yeah. They, you know, well, and then I'll get the, you know, my little guy will always be like, well, it's all relative dad. It's like, they suck for where they're at. I'm like, no, no, no. They, they might, they're, they're, they're elite. These are the elitist of the elitist athletes and the, the mistakes they make. I mean, it's, it's amazing to me that the whole game's not a mistake. Right. I'm like, right. you know, to, to watch these players. And when they do again, fall to the level they their training or fall to some, fall back on something, that habit that they never fixed or a bad habit that they got when they were younger, it's so hard to overcome those things. That's why we're, that's why as coaches, it's so crucial what we do with these kids when they're eight, nine, 10 years old, because once you form the, 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 the brain, and and tendencies it's so hard to get them out right it just is and uh, tim tebow is a great example if you want to follow the football analogy right like you couldn't make him into a quarterback at the right. nfl level because his 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 muscle memory wouldn't allow him to get there and i think we see that a lot in hockey players i see that i could tell you right now with an 11 or 12 year old Um, where they're at skating wise, whether they could play at 16 and 17 year olds at a high level, because they can't pivot, they can't open up, they can't ride an outside edge, they can't, you know, they can't read and react to a certain area of the ice consistently. And they they might be the best player on the ice. But if I extrapolate that out, I could almost in certainty tell you that player is not going to be able to play past this level. It's because of their training
0: yeah and I do want to jump into this from a coaching standpoint because and again thank you all for listening to us talk, discuss the sports there and stuff you know Mike and I want to tackle this as coaches because I think at various levels there's things coaches can do or look for <clears throat> both both as the coach but also towards the players that are going to improve this uh, muscle memory improve these skill sets both mental and physical and it's really important that you know that from really atoms up. Um, especially when you're dealing with emotional kids, which is Adam's up. It doesn't matter, right? If you're in youth sports, you're dealing with different emotions at different points. You know, another quick story I saw, I was in Tampa over the weekend at the uh, Elite Prospects uh, uh, Cup Series, and it was the championship round, and I was watching the uh, U18 Junior Flyers, and uh, this was a a semifinal game, and one of the players was on a a pretty good situation. He was on a two-on-one or a three-on-one, and he just made kind of a bad pass on the play, and nothing came from it um so not the worst thing in the world right they didn't get a counter rush or anything like that he just didn't make a great play and he went back to the bench and kind of di- he didn't throw his stick but he kind of tossed his stick uh he was clearly upset and i watch and this is the kind of things i look at right i watch the head coach of that team again this is the top team in that system walk over pick up the kid's stick hand it to the kid pat him on the shoulder and say hey it's gonna be okay right it's okay you're in a good situation there I have also seen situations like that where no one talks to the kid. The head coach doesn't talk to the kid, might yell at the kid or teammates yell at the kid. You know, so my personal belief is that coach handled that extremely well. He understood he needed to get the best out of this kid. And that kid had a great game in the championship game too. So when we dive into this, obviously from a coaching standpoint, there needs to be a little bit of empathy. Players are going to make mistakes, right? It's what are the skill sets we're learning? And Mike, I'm going to throw this to you just as a broad sense before we start doing this kind of by age. My goal as a coach in youth sports, youth sports, (laughs) got got to reiterate that when I'm doing pro or college, this is a different conversation, is I'm trying to build a good human being before anything else. I mean, it it really, it's true in pro too. It's just the winning is obviously a little bit more uh, important. But no matter what I'm trying to do, if I my belief, Mike, is that if I'm creating a better person, I'm naturally going to create a better hockey player aside from skill sets right this is the mental side of the game
1: if you're a head coach and you're running a team and you have a long term you know kind of aspect of that player i certainly uh, you know i i probably buy into that more often than not but you got to remember i'm a little older i'm a little more jaded i've been around a lot of other, <laughs> other programs and i just i don't think it's i don't think it's my responsibility so much to build the person anymore like i like like i would if i was coaching a high school hockey team from cradle to grave like if I, if I was recruiting a player and then graduating a player, then certainly my responsibility is to make them better people. Right. If I'm coaching a 10U team of kids from seven different towns that see me twice a week, I don't know how much better a person I can make that individual other than selecting them based off of the fact that they're good people to begin with. Like it, it's just hard to, I don't know what the family situation is. I don't know fair. what fair. goes on at home. So I, I, I don't. And, and this is really for a lot of us, you know, for a lot of young coaches that that I work with, like, don't you can't take in too much stock. Like, I'll, I'll never forget. It. I was coaching a team that I had taken over. And like the first game I was on the bench, some kid took a penalty for giving a kid the finger. Like, like after a penalty, he gave the kid the finger and he got a misconduct and the refs like, you know, you got to control your kids. I'm like, I don't even know who the kid is. Like, I've never even met him. Like, how would I control that kid? Like, how do I control that person? Like, I don't know if that's even maybe that's acceptable in his home. Like, why is that my responsibility? So, yes, we want to. Now, to that point, we want to teach when we have them, We we want to, you know, we want to make sure that we're um, modeling great behavior, and right. good behavior and good ethics. And, and, you know, so whether, whether the kids on your team are all, you know, kids that grew up at wolves, it doesn't matter. Like just, just you, you need to do what you do. And then you need to, you need to, you need to make sure that you're the one, uh, you know, showing and, and, and modeling all these behaviors. And hopefully that, that, you know, because I do believe that players, when they're with you long enough, become a reflection of you. Right. I and if you're throwing water bottles on the bench and you're breaking sticks across your knee and you're belittling a player after a mistake, it's only a matter of time before the parents and the other kids on the bench belittle that player for making a mistake. And then and I and I think our goal, one of our goals is is to make sure the kids make as many mistakes as they can when right. they're at the youth level. I mean, if they're playing at eight, nine, 10 years old, I hope that we're creating an atmosphere where they can make a ton of mistakes that can be um, identified, reviewed, made again, improved on and go and, and when working towards perfection. I think all
0: that's fair, what you said. And I, I think you're right. I think players start to emulate the coaching staff after a certain amount of time. And, yeah, you know, when you say, "Is it my responsibility?" I think it's our responsibility to set standards uh, while you're with the team. And look, we've said this before: standards can be destroyed the second you leave the rink by family, by by friends. I mean, and look, that's true for everyone. That's not just hockey players. Um, but I think it's really important that when you walk into a room at any level, that the standards are set of how we're pursuing whatever it is we're pursuing excellence, development. Um, and here are the standards really cleared out. This goes back to the communication piece that we always talk about. You have to constantly communicate. You know, I've been watching uh, Deion Sanders at Colorado College, you know, just keeping with the football theme. Um, and I love watching the videos because he just goes in the locker room and says, here's our standards, right? You will not do this. You will not do this. If you do, you're off the team. Um, and that's the collegiate level. I, I just I think that's an important thing that maybe doesn't happen as often as I'd like, or it happens Right before the season, there's a coach's meeting and they go, here's our standards. And they're never brought up again. Or sometimes coaches don't even adhere to their own standards. So I think creating standards are at. And then the other half of it, Mike, kind of continuing the story I told, I talked to that head coach after that game. And I said, I was really impressed how, how you handled that. And he said to me, he goes, I don't think anybody understands the level of pressure these kids are under. Right. And it got me thinking a little bit of, yeah, I'm looking at this from my age where and again, look if you're if you're an adult, it's easy to look at an 18u or whatever age group and say, yeah, it's not they, these kids don't have real problems. And you know what? You're right, they don't. But an 18 year old kid has the right to his 18 year old problems, as does every age group. And uh, this reminded me of something. Uh, I did an interview series with a bunch of uh, young men and women in their 20s, um, kind of asking them about what do you feel when someone in their 40s or 50s or 60 talks to you. And they said, uh, and this really hit me. This I really wish. People would just meet me where I'm at. I'm not 40. I don't understand what it is to be 40. I only know what it is to be 25. And I thought that was a really fair comment. So when we apply that to hockey, an 18-year-old kid, 17-year-old kid, this is, their, this is their galaxy. This is their universe. It is a lot of pressure. And you got to be able to try and put yourself in that position for a minute, I think, to understand. And he understood that that kid in that moment needed some empathy. Right. Not every kid needs that. There are kids that are motivated by you need to do better, right? Right between the eyes. I think part of the coaching of this is also understanding your players, understanding their mentality. Um, I think that's part of coaching in general is knowing how each kid or each player is motivated and then making sure you, you do it. That kid needed an empathetic, supportive coach in that moment. All right. If anybody out there is going, Hey, that's weak, uh, that's not how coaching works. If you want to get maximum performance out of a player, You need to know how your players are motivated or somebody does right to get the best out of them. Um, I I think that's one of the coaching mistakes of the past. Mike is that coaches would be one way with all the players and that's the way it is. And and again, I got to reiterate, we're talking youth sports right now. I'm not talking professional sports. That's a different monster. Um, But yeah, set standards, meet these kids where they're at, communicate early and often. Let's talk about that for a minute. And then I want to talk about Jack, just the, emotional side of the game as as the parents sent us that message.
1: So when you mention when you say, well, obviously the standards, sometimes I think you get what you get, right? So if you, if you go to a team that has no standards or it's not, it's implied or it's not, it's not directed and, and, and and sent out there to everyone, like this is my standards. Like what Deion Sanders is doing. There's no ambiguity there. Like, there's no like, I wonder how he feels about me cutting class. Uh, maybe I can <laughs> yeah. do it. Maybe I can't. There's no, there's no, like there, you know, again, and I'm, I'm at that, at that level, at the college level coaching and, and, high, and, and, you know, high level high school coaching and prep school coaching, I certainly would, I, I'd always try to give myself a lot of gray. Uh, so I wouldn't have to be a hard and fast, like mm-hmm. this is, this is where because I mean, go back to the, to the junior flyer kid and think about the pressure. Listen, If any, if there was a video of Mike Benelli on a penalty shot to tie a game up with a minute left in the game and took a backhand and hit the scoreboard with the puck, if that was out there, that's with me for the rest of my life. And that's what these kids deal with. Right. The the fact that everything they're doing on the ice is on live barn. Everything they do on the ice is videotaped by mom and dad or another player or another kid. And. These a lot of these people love to not they they want to not think about the fact that other athletes and other people that are adults and other kids are are intentionally trying to knock these kids down. Yeah. You need to then have a coach even more empathetic. Like when I got off the back, like my coach, I'm sure it's like, oh crap, I cannot believe, you know, but you know what my coach said to me when I did that, when I was in college? Like. Well, hey, you earned the right to even get the penalty shot because you worked your ass off to get down the ice and 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 cause that that situation. Okay, you hit the scoreboard. That wasn't the greatest thing in the world, <laughs> but you know. But I and I, but again, I I I was able to take that, and it was just me and my teammates, and it was over. There's no video of that anywhere. But now, but Mike, least, this is this a true
0: story, or are you just making it? <laughs>
1: No, that's it's, a true story. It's that's very a, that's detailed. That's say. a true story. That's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a, that's a that, my, my college teammates will tell you, yeah. oh, it's true. It's I'm watching true.
0: you and I'm like, this is not a scenario. This is, this happened. No,
1: that's <laughs> sorry, me. That's sorry. me. But, but, I, but I, I always, I always put that in the back of my head saying, if that was on YouTube, right. That would be on YouTube forever. Right. And these kids have this pressure of. It's a great point. Trying right. to, trying to have perfection. In a world that's that we only see perfection. Nobody's nobody sees the kid that does, you know, flips the stick and catches the puck and, and and knows that he's done that for seven days before they got the video right. Right. Like they don't see all the out clips; They only see the success. And I think it's even more important for us than to be so much more proactive as coaches, getting back to even the email and the, and the discussion about, you know, where is the emotional piece of our kids and it's more, I think, I think, and this is just from me working with kids for the last 40 years, is that it's more, they have so much more on them than just their own teammates. Yeah. They literally have, I mean, I guess it's a badge of honor, right? If you're an Instagram kid or a TikToker or whatever, or Snapchat, then you have, you know, 27,000 followers, that's 27,000 more people knocking you down. Right. That's just the way social media works. Right. And. When you expose yourself to that, I don't know if we're, I don't know if coaches are equipped yet as well as we can be to teach to that because, because that's just, it's not X's and O's. It's not strategy. It's not, Hey, I played the game, so I must know the game. It's what are the kids, how are the kids communicating? What are they seeing? And then where is that frustration bubbling up? And I think you saw it in going back to the football kid, you know his teammate during the interviews. I, I watched a couple of interviews afterwards, and his teammate was right beside him. We don't want that. That's really not a question he needs to answer. That's not him. He's that our t- his team his his teammates they were are there.
0: With him.
1: Yeah, we're we're with him.
0: It says a lot.
1: And 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 that that's it's a there's a much. I think this kid is 22 years old. The kid that had the had the penalty. There's a mature, seasoned veteran right. in the room with him, just like we should be as coaches and parents Right. that say. Not again, I don't think it's being soft. I don't think I don't think empathy is soft. I think it's the ability to 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 connect with that player. Yeah, I think it's strength. It's the ability to connect with that player and then and then have that player know it's not okay to have taken the penalty. Right. But it is okay to feel bad about it. And it's even better to learn from it. Right. And build from it.
0: Well, look, let's use an NHL example. All right. Now, I I love that you're bringing this up, that his teammate was there, because I think that says a lot about the team and how the team is run. All right. From from coaches, leaders, whatever.
1: Or Uh, that individual again, maybe or that individual's own life. Right. right? Like like maybe maybe the the coaching staff. I mean, does anybody do a seminar and hey, when your teammate fails, this is how we react. But it's so funny because like I remember there was a time like last year, one of the teams I coached, like like every thought that when the kid came off the bench had to be a positive statement had to be. You, you almost have to make the kids do it until right. they're doing it. Like It becomes, it becomes a habit. Well,
0: yeah. Look, look, man, there's a lot to unpack here. Yeah,
1: I'm sorry. <laughs> no,
0: no, no. It's okay. I, look, I want to give a great initial example of what you talked about. For those of you over 40 will remember Steve Smith and the Edmonton Oilers in 1986. All right? When uh, he put the puck in his own net. This is the Gretzky Oilers. It derailed the dynasty. They did not win five in a row. This is one of the misconceptions of hockey is that they won. they won four out of five. I um, mean, right in the middle, uh, when Patrick was Patrick was rookie year, Steve Smith, I believe it was against the Calgary Flames, put the, the puck in his own net to lose the game and end the season. All right. And in one of again, I wish this moment was shown more. I'm probably going to make a video about this now that I talked about it. The next year they won the cup and Wayne Gretzky. This is his third cup. P- takes the cup. This is right when they give it to him and hands it to Steve Smith. You got you got yeah. to remember who's on this team. Paul Coffey, Mark Messier, Grant Fuhrer, Yari Cur- I, mean, I can go on. There's just Hall of Famers, like 10 of them, right? And he hands it to Steve Smith, a player you probably haven't ever heard of. And Steve Smith talks about how that was one of the most healing moments of his career. You got to remember, too, Steve Smith was not a bad player, but he will always be, Mike, to your point, before YouTube, remembered for putting the puck in his own net. Now, we always talk about how Wayne Gretzky is a better person than he is a hockey player. That's another great moment. But this still shows you the brotherhood and the bond or the sisterhood that you get at the pro level. So I think that that's the first point <laughs> that, you know, you're not defined by one moment. Another thing you said that I think is really important to reiterate, if you were born before 1990, maybe 95, um, you know, and it, which is probably most of us, all right? we are not going to understand what these kids are dealing with with social media. All right. I know some of us, including myself, we, you know, social media was born when I was in college. We all wear that as a flag, right. That we were there when it started, but we didn't grow up with it. Right. You're right, Mike, my greatest failures on the ice. They're not on film. You can't find them. So these kids deal with that. And I have been asked before, you know, what's the solution to the social media aspect of the cyberbullying or whatever you want to call it. And while that's a very vast answer, it really comes down to one thing as parents and coaches, we play a role in this too. It's building self-esteem in our kids off the internet. That can be built at home. And I think that, and, and this is no one's fault, because we didn't grow up with social media, we're not really keenly aware of the effects. I think we kind of know that our kids look at that. All right, but you can, I can hear this from my own kid who's about to be nine of Um, talking to this person online or this person made fun of me, there's real obvious signs that he's already seeing some of this stuff or words that he's seen that he should not be seeing. You know, I went right in and shut the chat off when I saw that. But my point is, you've got to build, we've got to build self-esteem in our our children, not just our kids, all kids, right? And make them understand that your self-worth is not based on 27,000 likes, 27,000 thumbs down, all right, that that is a human highlight reel and that we as a society do need to get better with this. And we will, we, we always tend to evolve uh, after the technology is made, right? But uh, for those of you thinking that question, it's about building self-esteem in your kids, having the conversation so that when, when something like that does come across their feed, they have some of the tools to build on it. Um, now, Mike, I'm gonna pivot here a little bit more because I think, I love that you said empathy is not, not a, a weakness. I agree with you, empathy is a, is a strength. I think we're learning that as a society after the last few years. Um, I think when it comes down to emotions, and this goes back to the, the, the letter we got from a parent. Um, I'm just going to tell you my experience. Uh, everybody does this a little bit differently. Um, I think a lot of us growing up, and, and again, the further back you go, the harsher this guest gets. We, we were told, don't cry, don't feel, don't do that, don't act that way. Don't, don't be mad, don't be sad. We, we got a lot of don't feel, okay? And I completely understand why generations of the past had to live like that. We didn't go through any great world war. Uh, we have been through wars, but you know we didn't go through the Great Depression. We, we've it's a pretty. Some of you may disagree, but it's a pretty good time to be alive when you think about it from a technological standpoint, and you know the, all the things that we have, right? So, I think it's important that kids feel. I just think it's important they understand what they're feeling, and then this is the key: getting it under control. So, one of the things I do with my kid is when he's having a massive temper tantrum, uh, either of my kids. Or they're being kids and they're going nuts. I really try to get them to focus on, hey, tell me what you're feeling. Are you angry? Are you sad? And then I have him say, it. I'm angry. I'm frustrated. I think I've talked about this on the show before. I want him to identify the emotion that has hijacked him so he can start to get it under control. To me, that's the skill I, as his parent, want him to have. Know what you're feeling and get it under control. But don't stop feeling. Because I think if you eradicate emotion from a kid. A, I think you've taken something from them that's pretty important for their life. But B, I think you also take away some of the coping mechanism. All right. Going back to to um Asai, he was he was bleeding emotion on the sideline. Right. He was feeling something. All right. You can't take that out of a person completely. So anyway, Mike, I'm droning on here a little bit. But I think that's important at any age group of let the kid feel what they're feeling. It's how quickly can they get into control? And Mike, to your point, going all the way back to the beginning of the episode, that starts to build the skill set and the tools of when you hit a, a horrible moment, that you start to understand how to navigate that moment. You're not going to not feel like crap if you make a horrible play. That is that is going to happen. It's how do you navigate that moment and find your way back so you can continue to play on? And this this goes beyond sports, obviously. Hey, yeah, Well, think
1: about that. We're not trained as parents to do that. And no, then you were right. asked to be a parent coaching a team of 15 kids
0: <laughs> that have never been Emotional trained kids. to do that. Right. Emotional so, kids, I
1: mean, I, yeah. so one of the guys I work with Wally Kozak, he's up in uh, he's up in Vancouver and uh, <clears throat> uh, Calgary maybe. And a, a lot of the things we talk about is that, you know, d- uh, levels of directorships and, and how organizations um, structure what they're going to do for their, their youth hockey programs. And one of the one of the biggest pushes right now uh, from many, many youth hockey organizations that I work with, certainly is one of the structures that we want in place over a hockey director and a skills instructor is an ethical and emotional director, like somebody that can teach us and give us the right tools to, to, to teach, you know, to remember ethical, what we're doing, what are we doing ethically? I mean, I remember days when I was growing up that, you know, if the best player forgot his jersey, the coach had no problem getting you know the fourth line kid and getting him his jersey and having him play and say well listen kid we gotta just play you know i i know right. you know you, th- we have we have to win this game and i'm like are you as a player you're like this is insanity like are this is this really happening and then but then again if you don't know how to deal with it you don't know how to you know you don't know how to interject as a player i was 15 years old when that that's a real story right yeah. and and i i and, and i actually feel bad that i wasn't strong enough to be like hey coach that's not that's not right like right. this player just doesn't get to play he it's their responsibility to remember these things. We don't need the, you know, is the win really that important? Like, and I, and I think when you talk about like how we're so, you know, disconnected from the athletes sometimes, like the kids on a whole would rather be ethical than win. That's just how kids are wired. Right. Like, like, they they are. Know, you're, they,
0: you're absolutely right. They you're don't want right. to, they
1: don't want to win by cheating. Right. And they like, know it comes then, later they, in life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You can cheat when you, well, <laughs> yeah. yeah. When you're, when you're a jaded adult that needs <laughs> to, that needs to win a game without, <laughs> right. making, like, like, right. I mean, you know, I look at, I, I, I've been in so many different, you know, hotel rooms and, and, and bars during tournaments where parents are like figuring out ways to catch teams cheating so we could win. I'm like, well, isn't that cheating? Yeah, like, aren't yeah. we, I like, hate what do we do? Like, what do you, I said, well, you're, you're trying to, you're trying to tell me that this kid was not on the roster early and not like it is what it is. We're playing the game. right? So I've always, I've just looked at it. And again, these aren't high stakes, you know, professional matches where the, the winner, or the loser is, is losing a livelihood. These are children and these are adults in a recreational environment. And, and to your point, you, this is the kind of stuff that we need to do proactively learning ourselves, and then letting parents know these are the standards we're going to set up. And this is how I coach ethically. And part of that's going to have to be you allowing me to let the kids have emotion. Yeah. Like I want the player to have emotion. I don't I don't want them bottling it up. If they're going to cry, they're going to cry because some kids react different ways. Yeah. And or body or the body language like that's to be like body language is the biggest pet peeve as a recruiter yep, of a any game. other and any other thing Just the, the head down, the shoulders shrunk, the stick breaking over the, you know, watching a kid on the bench and, and not allowing a play to go. So when we talk about, you know, when the teams win and lose games, it's um, not always on the last play <laughs> of the last second. They, they could have lost the game on an emotional yeah. uh, penalty. They took in the first quarter. They could have lost the game touchdown. before the
0: game even started. You can
1: never go back and say, could have, would have, should have, if this would have happened, uh, Michael K up here in New York does a show and I forget what he called it. The law of, uh, probably, whatever it is, you know, whatever it is, he, he's like, oh, if this happened, this would have happened. And if that second baseman would have turned the double play in a second inning, they wouldn't have scored the three runs to put us down. It, 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 is, what it is, it is, yeah. you are in the situation you're in at the end of the game. Now you go to the level of your training and we try to win and yeah. And again, I think that's, that's, but I, I, you know, I've had many, many kids every, I mean, matter of fact, every year I've coached, I think my whole life, I've always had that one or two kids on a team that was an emotional, like outside the norm person. That was me. Like either. That was
0: me playing Mike. I'll be honest with you.
1: Yeah. Just really, really. And then I've had some kids that have like, that I'm like, do you even have a pulse? Like, do you even want to be here? Right. And no, and it's almost the reverse, like no emotion. It's like, you don't even care, like, yeah. like, and me, I'm emotional. Like, I'm like, I care, like, right now. Now I've had to, I've had to learn to harness that, right? Because you you can't just keep breaking sticks and throwing water bottles and and dumping garbage cans in the locker room your whole life. So you have to learn to navigate that world. But when you're working with kids, adolescents, as long as we know it, and I and I guess, I guess my point is, a lot of us don't ever get the training. To even be considered to know what that yeah. should look like. Well, and,
0: and I think that training and it's not fair. I, I think that training is evolving over time. And again, we're all victims of when we were raised in, in some sense, right? Like, you know, a lot of people didn't know about emotional security 30, 40 years ago. And that's like I'm not gonna judge any other generation based on what they do or don't know. I'm not saying you are either. I can tell you I was a very emotional kid, really up until my my early twenties. All right. And it, it, sometimes it helped me and sometimes it really hurt me. And it's, it, you know, it took me a long time to mature, at least what I think is mature enough to the point where I could be on a bench and be even killed and, and understand how to compartmentalize it. But it took time. Now, with that said, Mike, um, you talked about, uh, having kind of an ethical type person within the team or someone watching over. I, I want to talk about my own experience here with, with these eight-year-olds I, I volunteer to coach. All right. I do two minutes. This is every week, at least two to four minutes of real baseline. Some people might call it meditation. It's just more of a hyper-focused, um, you know, feel, feel your fingertips, listen to some sounds, just, just get very focused with me in the moment. And it's funny because we talk about, can you teach kids this from a coaching standpoint? These kids are seven and eight years old. And yes, the first 10 times I do it, it's agony because they can't get past five seconds without giggling or laughing because they're kids. And I'm very aware of that. But you know what? We're, we're way past the half point of the season now. They can get to the two-minute mark. They're very quiet uh, when we're doing it. They understand this is something we're doing, and this is the key for me. I have seen kids on the ice, off the ice, use it now to calm themselves down. These are seven- and eight-year-old kids, so it can be taught. Right Now, I have been trained to do this, to be fair. I'm not saying everyone knows how to do this, All right, but I, the point I'm trying to make is that you can start teaching these ideals very early as a coach, as a parent. All right. And I think it's important, you know, and, and here's the thing when these kids move on now to the next team, they might lose it if, if they don't keep practicing it. That's how mental fitness works. I always say it's like a gym. If you keep doing it, you're going to stay in health. You're going to stay in shape. If you stop doing it, you're going to fall out. And that's OK, too. OK, we learn from shared experience over time. But my point is, as a, as a coach, you don't have any control once those kids leave the locker room or the bench. So we talked about setting standards, maybe giving them some tools. Not every kid's going to take it. That's OK. Uh, I think to answer that, again, the, the email that we got, you know, I said this earlier, and this is true for adults too. You can be hijacked by an emotion. You can be so angry that you start doing things uncharacteristic because you've been hijacked by that emotion, by that saboteur inside of you, and it's causing you to react. The, 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 in my opinion, all right, I'm not a psychologist. I'm not a psychiatrist, in my opinion, as a hockey coach, all right, and as a parent, the first step to trying to quell that is to identify and say out loud what you are feeling. I am angry. You can do this in private. If you need, I am frustrated. I am pissed. You will be amazed when you call it out, how quickly that will start to diffuse it. And again, yes, you can start to help your eight year old, 12 year old, 15 year old kid do this. Will they be able to do it on the first try? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. This is something that you have to consistently practice. All right, but I th- well, that is my experience is that if you can get them to call out what it is that's happening, it will start to diffuse it. They can start to get, get some control. And Mike, I've seen this before with my own kids. They get control, then they burst again. They get control, and they burst again, just like a a, a volcano. Right? You got to harness it and be patient with it. It's hard.
1: It's it's my point. <laughs> it's the exact point I'll make to every single person that will listen. That if you do something once, it cannot stick. It doesn't stick. If Never you if you want great enough. power skaters, and you want the best skater in the world, you can't go to a week long power skating clinic, and then and then practice for twenty eight weeks with somebody that doesn't know jack about skating. That's, that's because right, you're that's gonna right. you're, you're gonna fall to that. You're gonna fall to the level of your training. It's the same thing emotionally. It's the same thing, ethically. If you if you're going to have a, if you're going to have your like I, I, I just said I was at a, a league lacrosse meeting the other day and everybody was everybody was fighting the whole league. I mean, basically, I, I don't know who these people are fighting about doing a live like positive coaching alliance, parental um, uh, code of conduct type of meeting, like even Zoom. You, you know, nothing, nothing. We have to go to an auditorium. You make it easy. Wednesday night, 730. The f- pushback. From these people saying, "Oh no, well, our kid, we we sign a code of conduct at the beginning of the year. Like when they register, they got to sign a code of conduct." And the <laughs> one guy admits, "I don't even know if anybody reads it because they just kind of sign it and send it in. I don't think they even read it." Okay, well then, then we're not doing our job. Then right, what, what right. the hell? What what is that? What kind of code of conduct is that? Like, like the the code of conduct is just the blueprint for the stuff that you want to follow and 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 model. So why aren't we discussing this? Once a week, once every other week. Why aren't we reinforcing it like we do skating? What like we do stick cannon, Like we do. Right. Like if you want kids, if you listen, if you want kids to battle and drive to the net and go for rebounds and score goals in the house, then you have to have drills I'm that practicing. have them battle and score yeah. goals and go to the net. And then in the not house. wonder why they don't do it after you've done I, it. One I, time. I, 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 you know, I won't yeah. even name the, the coach. Knows who he is. He'll con- contact me after <laughs> he watches our after he watches our. You podcast. Know who you Mike, are, Mike. Yeah. I can't. I can't get my kids to go to the net. Uh, you know, they're always. Never around the net to score goals. I go. Well, I've just watched five year practices, and not one drill did the girls, boys, whatever they were—I don't know what they were—girls or boys. I don't. It, that that one. That one time did the player have to go to the net to finish the play? They all went to the line that was twenty-five feet away from the net. So don't tell me they don't know how to do it. You don't know how to coach. Like you don't know how to train them to do that, uh, Mike. I can't believe my kids. That that team leaves the locker room. It's the most disgusting, you know, example of a room I've ever seen. That doesn't – if you see that, if you walk in, that means that's an – that to me, that's an undisciplined team, doesn't give a crap about anything, doesn't understand where they come from, who they are, has no culture. I don't care how good they are. You go in that locker room and it looks like a bomb went off and there was a, there was a birthday party with cupcakes and cookies and soda bottles all over the place. Then that's a that is a direct reflection on the coach, and I don't and I don't mean game one. I mean when you that means that that coach hasn't addressed that throughout the season, building ethics, building a culture, all the other things we all worry about. What's the schedule? What's my 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 hockey rankings? And what hotel are we staying at for the tournament? Why don't we worry about? Why don't we rather the real things to your at the beginning of the conversation we had that? How can I build good people and be responsible for that? If nothing I do in my organization, models any of that.
0: Yeah, it's scary. I, and again, we've talked about this before. I, you know, Actually, this person who sent us the email, is someone I know, and I remember she told me a story about another Mike team, and she said that um, she was appalled. She walked in the locker room, and they were not just cursing, but using terms they probably shouldn't be using. And, I, and, and it's like, how does that even happen at that level? I mean, it means no one is taking the responsibility. And it, look, again, does all the weight of the world have to come on the coach with these kids in their lives, no. But when those kids are in your locker room or on your bench, yeah, it's that's your responsibility. And right, yeah, anything responsibility they do outside of the that.
1: standard, so yeah. that people don't come to your team and go, right. "Oh my God, I can't believe is right. such a psychopath!" Now, like but, he wants look, our kids to have the locker room <laughs> clean after every right. single practice. You psychopath, like, well, Mike, for the <laughs> don't join my team. Like this right. is my standard.
0: Well, it, look, look, we talk about ways to sell programs sometimes, and I'll tell you this: you know, I think it would be attractive to some parents, some. When you see the highest level of ethics and standards set by a program, and that's what that program stands for, I'd want to send my kid there. You know what I mean? Now that's me. All right, some kids, some parents want the best top talent, and I, I, I get it. I, the, the, your journey is your journey. Don't get me wrong; we all got to figure that out. But you know, I, I'll, I'll give you one, and some of you might think I'm a Boy Scout for this, but I hope more people do this um, with my kids, my team, and we'll do it in Squirts again. Uh, my organization does send out a code of ethics that needs to be signed. All right. Now at my kid's age, I am the one who has to sign it, but I sit down with him and I go over it with him before I sign it. And I make, I make it kind of cool. I said, Hey, you got a contract here, all right? Right. You got a contract with this team and I want to review it with you. And I go over the basics and you know what, they all, they all say similar things of, you know, how to be respectful. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. Uh, You're representing the organization. Why would I not do that with him? Why would I not make it exciting? You're signing a contract, and these are the responsibilities. Do you understand what the team is asking? What do you think we should do if someone's out of line? It's a 10-minute discussion with my kid, and, I'm, and it's fun. Every year we should do this. Mike, I remember, too, and again, Boy Scout thing coming in, but I remember uh, when I was in my, my junior year, I played for an elite team, and they gave me a playbook, and there was a lot of stuff, and there was a notebook three-ring binder. There was no, no digital technology yet. This thing was the Bible to me. I mean, I took it so seriously that that I was on this team. You know what I mean? And and again, that's me, though, okay? Not every athlete's going to be like that, and I completely understand that. And I probably went overboard with this a lot of times. But you got to make that part of it somewhat fun or somewhat realistic because I'll tell you what, when you get to the higher levels, those contracts really do mean something. It means you might not get paid uh, if you're fortunate enough to play. Go ahead,
1: Mike. Well, I, I I used to have these conversations as a hockey director with parents, like like use the sport, use our sport to support you. Like our sport is so powerful to your kids. Yeah, I want to support you through sport. That means you're going to sit down if you want to. You don't listen. You could look at the code of conduct and say, "Well, I don't want to sign this code of conduct because I don't believe in any of this stuff." Really? Like you don't believe in any of this? Okay, well then I just got to let you know. Uh, it's probably not the best organization for you to be in because this is what we believe in. And when this comes up, we're going to need your support for this to play in my sport. And the parents that want that, which I think is overwhelmingly the most parents want this, right? Is this is, is a, is a program that's going to model behavior. That's going to be, that's going to support, what they want models no, like it's, it's it's very different than if you go to a program and you're at home and you're you do this and you make your kid do this and you have this and these are your standards at home and when the kid goes in the rink it's like hey it's a free-for-all right now i get to spit <laughs> on the floor and i get to you know <laughs> steal tape from other kids bags and i get to make the coach go get my water bottle because i'm not happy and i can whine and cry and have a temper tantrum and no and there's no recourse for that well okay well then then that's that's, but th- just understand, that's not my standard. So the two, I mean, Christy says this all the time when we're on together, right? That you've got to mold the two together. Like you've got to find the program that takes your standards yeah. and the program standards. And then when, it, w- but when you purposely sign up for something that ha- is diametrically um, different than your own standards, right. you get what right. you get. Yeah. Don't call me. Yeah. Don't call me in chat. I get, listen, I, there's. I probably have 25 emails in my email box that I've answered about, people that are unhappy in the organizations they're with and they can't believe it. And they're shocked. And they, and they, they just can't believe what they've gotten into. And then I could go back and say, well, remember the email I sent you on August 15th, explaining what this organization is and who they are. And you discarded that information delete. Yeah, like, don't yeah. come, don't come to me and say you're shocked when you weren't shocked. You're just shocked. It happened to you. Like right. you're, 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 you're like, we're as parents. Like, I can't believe that coach shot my t- treating my kid like way. Well, didn't you know that n- that seven kids left that team. The reason you're on the team is because seven kids left the team last year because of the way the coach is. So what do you think? You're, you're the reason he's going to change. Like your yeah. kid is the golden kid that's going to change this person and who they are ethically. No, it's not. The coach is going to fall to their level of of training yeah, as well. I, so, yeah. and so when you're, when you have an emotional kid, if you're an emotional, if you have an emotional child and a child that, you know, is, is, is just, so pent up with frustration, negativity, s- lack of confidence, then then it is the most important thing to find the program and the coach that matches that need rather than matches maybe the level of hockey playing because if you can't get through the emotional piece, doesn't matter how good you are. If you can't sure. last in a game, I mean, there's a one kid right now we're working with right now. He's been on three different teams in eight months, and it's all. On penalties. It's all because every time the kid gets on a team, he's taken four majors. And I'm like, you, you're you unbelievable player. Unbelievable. Like gifted. But you can't, if you're not playing and you're hurting the team, then it doesn't matter how gifted you are. You're in yeah. the box or you're in the stands. You're not helping me. I need six kids that are ungifted that can play a whole game.
0: Yeah. And, and so, look, so and again, going back to the beginning of the episode, right? Is he doing that purpose? Is he in the moment? I don't know. Every kid's a little different. Someone's got to try and get through to him or her uh, to understand right. that, you know, and yeah, Mike, it's, it's, it's all fantastic points you're making. I mean, like again, every kid's a little bit different. Every kid's got to be treated a little bit differently. Um, and I think that again, a lot of this comes down to just how you do it throughout the season. And look, as a parent, look, the, I, I know this from, from being in the system and, and, playing through the system, the grass is always greener on the other side. Uh, and if you make a oh, gut emotional God. decision, you might not realize what you're doing. All right. And, and look, FOMO, uh, you know, fear missing out plays into this heavily for some parents too, of do I go to the ethical team with the high standards? That's really going to make my kid a good human being. Or do I go to this other team that might get him 15 scout looks this year, because that's what a parent told me about the whole team, but my kid might not be going we all got to walk that line our, on our own. But I would say that if you're mad or you're frustrated with the organization, just take a step back and really look at it. You might be right. It might be right to move. All right? I'm not saying that's ever wrong. But you, the grass is always greener on the other side. And I've had a lot of conversations with parents that have left one organization, going to another. It's like this wasn't what I thought it was going to be. And I go, What did you think it was going to be? You know, a <laughs> um, couple more quick ones for me before we close this out. Uh, just some some quick tips. All right. Th- th- these are not always easy to implement. But going back to that email, it said, what do I do when my kid slams his stick? What do I do when he throws his gloves? Um, I know one of the common theories is this. And again, in the moment, this can be hard to do, but it's not to just tell them what not to do, right? Don't slam your stick. Don't throw your gloves. You want to ask questions or at least try and have a conversation of what is the right thing to do? All right. What, how else could you have handled that? Now again, it depends on the age. You're not going to go up to an 18 year old and say that. All right. But you do want to try and. Give them the path towards the correct behavior or better behavior, or explain, at least again, if they're older, look, when you slam your stick, that, that, that how does that affect the whole team? Right. So sometimes asking great questions can help a player arrive at a point. Um, Mike, you want to comment on that before I go to the next one?
1: No, no, that's I that's why I depend on my wife, the therapist, to do that. Like I am so sick. She's yeah. like, what what what, are you, yeah. what are you what are you, what are your feelings? Like, why do you feel like you need to break that plate? Like why right. why do you feel you need to throw the Legos across the room and you can't contribute to the family cleaning right. up? Like like and I'm like, clean the Legos up. Yeah, 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 yeah. Me, I'm yeah. just I I again <laughs> I've learned I think I've gotten actually a lot better at that. And I'm probably much better at at uh, with other people's kids than my own kids, no doubt about it that I'm, I'm more, I'm much more like, so tell me your feelings about why you slashed that kid over yeah, the head. with It's, the it's like,
0: well, if, if you're emotionally compromised, it's hard to do this. That's what I'm trying to say. Like, especially on the bench in a high tension situation <laughs> right. as a coach, I'm not going to be, Hey, how could you have handled that differently? I'm just, and, well, I'm it's, just easy, talking it's, it's easier
1: for me to ask other people's you know, kids, why they have a problem other than my kid, sure. like, like you're the problem. Right. You know? and, and so right. it's like, so, but I get it, but it's, but it, it is, it is a, it goes back to, it's a learned thing. Right
0: yeah well it, we get it from it our is, parents, it, it, yeah, we get it from our upbringing. or you
1: just learn it, but yeah your, your yeah. own circumstances like- well, it, it,
0: again the the example that I was given, uh which and I have to work on this all the time because i'm a i am I can be a little bit of a hothead too um and i and I'm working on it, I'm not perfect at it, but it was you know you're not supposed to say, Don't eat on the couch, you're supposed to say, Hey, come eat at the table so right. like and again, that is so much easier said than done, but I do try and review. You know well, how How many could times do you have to say that?
1: How many times how many times do you have to say come eat at the yeah. table before you say <laughs> well, get off I mean? the couch?
0: I think at some point it becomes you're not you're not getting uh, you're not getting dinner tonight if you don't do this. Uh, right. but no, I'm with you on that too, buddy. It's not easy and it's not always simple. And and you know you you have to discipline your kids at some point, right? You, yeah, you yeah, just,
1: yeah. But I but I think it's so um, hard now too, right? That we're in a world where like if I take my kid's phone away to punish them, I'm the one being punished because I yeah. now I can't contact them. I don't know where he is. I don't right. know when to pick him up. I don't know who he's with. I'm right like, now, I'm the one, I'm the one being well, punished. By this that's
0: now. that's a perfect segue to my final point, <laughs> which was, uh, and and I think this is always an important message to give to players. And I'll tell this one in a story. Um, obviously, I love the game. Um, you you kind of alluded to this earlier, Mike. I think one of the great ways to persuade your kids is to know what they love and know that you have some leverage over uh, controlling that. I don't want to say taking it away, but controlling that. I remember influence, one time, influence. Yeah, it. yeah. Um, I remember one time when I was a you know, late teen, sixteen, seventeen um, mid teens, I should say, um, I did something wrong. And my father said, I am not taking you to practice tonight. And I was, that was between the eyes It had never happened. And I was devastated. And I'll tell you what, um, I called my coach and by by the way, I love my father immensely. I love my mother immensely. They were, uh, they are fantastic parents. They, in my opinion, did everything they could possibly do right uh, in my hockey journey. So this was just a one time I, and I deserve this. Let me say that I definitely deserve to be punished here. Okay. Right. And uh, I called my coach and he offered to come pick me up, uh, which, which I'm, you know, this is, I'm realizing now how above and beyond this was. And I remember he said to me, and, and everyone I'm about to say this, you're going to say, oh yeah, yeah, that's obvious. But I had never heard this up until this point. I was very upset with myself. I was upset with my dad. And he said, you know, first he told me, you need to apologize to your father when you get home, which he's right.
1: right and then he said, right.
0: we got to the rink and he said this, he goes, when you walk in that door, you leave this outside. You have to leave this outside the rink.
1: Right. Right. It's right.
0: over. It's over. Um, and for whatever reason, that lesson, which I'm sure people had told me before, clicked on that day. So I think that as you approach a rink, depending on what's happening, even if you're having an argument with your own kid, you got to start to implement that philosophy of when you walk through these doors, it's heaven and you got to leave it outside. Right. And, and kind of vice versa. If you have a bad game, you got to leave it in the rink. <laughs> you know what I mean? So um, I always, I always kind of had a grip on that after that, that, how fortunate I am to be able to play this game still to this day. Like when I go to play adultly now, I'm at the age now where I'm just, I'm fortunate with my body the way it is to be able to play at all. So I'm anytime I'm at the rink, I'm just happy now because I can even be there. Right. right. Um, But I just, I'll never forget that lesson. Uh, You know, he said, you know, you got to leave this outside the rink now and go practice. And I thought that was important. So when we're talking about emotions, I got a grip on it from that moment on for the rest of my life. All right. So again, great, great coaching moment, both yeah. as a son. I did apologize to my father. Right. He taught me. I was pissed, Mike. <laughs> I remember being a bit, but he, he was right. You know, that was a yeah. good moment. So there's an example of a coach going above and beyond to teach me, meeting me where I was at, uh, being empathetic that I was upset and then teaching me something. Right. And it was, it was a pivotal moment. And again, I, I'm going to say this one more time, Mike, I guarantee you people had told me that before. I just didn't hear it till that moment.
1: Right, it wasn't affecting you. Like you didn't need to. You didn't need to react to it either. I mean, yeah. just you know. And I think, and that's funny. It's a, it's a, it's just like we we the coaches I work with. What I love now is 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 I bet you it's it's probably more than eighty ninety percent at the end of every practice. They've all gotten a great habit of ending practice together, like not the scramble of the zambonis coming on. Get off the ice. Yeah. Get all the yeah. coming off. Like there's a lot to be said for reminding kids in the moment to, Hey, let's all, let's all thank, you know, when you get off the ice, thank your parents. Like I've gotten this, in this habit. And I know my kids hate it is like, when you get on the bus, thank the bus driver, give him a smile, say good morning. Like, yeah, that's just yeah. like, just common just decency. Do <laughs> just do that. So the day when you're running down the hill, when you're late and your hair's frozen to your head and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're, and you're going to, and he, and he looks and he doesn't go. Drives away. There's he's not going to drive away. If he knows, you're a nice kid, you're friendly kid. I think this goes kid. in
0: all walks of life, like,
1: yeah. like, and I think, just, but I think just, that's yeah. that, that's that's what I love. Coaches, and that's where I talk about the power of sport and and supporting the parent. Is that I want that coach to be like, hey, don't forget, turn to your parents, wave to them, make sure every one of you says thank you. Now, Absolutely. do all of them do it? Probably not, but the ones that do get rewarded, right? Because the parents like, thank you, and get and guess who they acknowledge that to.
0: Okay. The coach. It, it means, so and then much. they say,
1: "Wow, that's sure. a really nice yeah. coach. He doesn't know crap about a power play, but you know what? He's a nice guy, and I or he 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 has my right. best interest." Like so, no matter what you are in the level of your coaching and what you can bring to the table from strategy and 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 and, and logistics, at least they know, okay, I have the, my my son and daughter with a good person, right? And yeah. if you listen yeah. to the coach's site, Hockey Factories episodes with Matt Dumichel, uh, he 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 has this great series on all the, you know, Shattuck St. Mary's and, and, yeah. uh, there's a free and, book on it too. We should free tell book. It's like, on, yeah, you know, go, go to coach yeah. site not to give them they don't any more plugs, yeah. <laughs>
0: but go get the book,
1: go get the book, read it. But every single person, everyone, every single leader talked about what you talked about. The first thing they look for is good people. And if you can't produce a good person by the time you're 16, 17, 18 years old, you ain't going to those places. No. Yeah. You yeah, know so and that that's they don't want seven.
0: you. They don't want They don't
1: you. well they don't need you and they don't yeah. want you. There's a lot of really listen, there's a ton of yeah. really really good hockey players out there, tons. Yeah. And then you yeah. need to be if you're going to be a real jackass, like if you're going to be somebody that doesn't care about anything and is just a not a nice person, you better be really good, like really really good. Yeah. Yeah. Because people will listen, let's let's admit that people will overlook certain aspects of your of your personality because of skill. But if you're the kid, that's like every other kid, you ain't getting picked. Right.
0: And, and, <laughs> I mean, and we got to say that's most kids. That's the majority.
1: Not, that's um, what I mean. Like, not, you're not yeah. the one percenter yeah. that can get away. It's, with it. It's the
0: point one percenter. Let's be honest. It's not even the one percenter,
1: right? No, no doubt about it. Yeah. And I think that's a great, you know, to me, I'm always like, well, and I, again, maybe I come from a different place because I wasn't the point one percenter. I was the kid that had to get picked because I was good enough, but I was better than the other kids I was with. I was just right. a better person. I had a better personality. I had I loved coming but to Mike, the rank. I, 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 I
0: will that. I will say this as a coach. All right, I can win with that. All right, you can give me talented right. players that can't get along with each other. I can't get. I can't yeah,
1: how do you tell do you, you do with it?
0: confidence. I can win with that. I can win with twenty good people that have comparable talent. I can win with that. I can't win with three superstars and a bunch of other guys that don't get along. I. That's not my style. All right. Again, it might be coaches that can do that. It's not me. The other thing I wanted to say too, is this, Um, uh, again, you were talking about waving to the parents, uh, as a parent, as a parent, I want my kid to feel safe with me after the game. I do not want them to fear getting in the car with me after the game of judgment or whatever, unless they want to talk about it. I think that's really important to note. I always want my kid to feel that after the game, I'm a safe place to be. Um, you know, sometimes it's different if you're the coach of the team, but I think it's important that your home is a safe place, that your, your care is a safe place. Don't underestimate that. If you're coaching your kid, we did a whole episode about this, that the car ride is not for coaching. If you're coaching your kid the whole way home after a loss or a win, you might want to reevaluate that uh, and give it some time. Um, and, I, and Mike, again, <laughs> very rarely do I not shake a ref's hand. I think the Zamboni driver, I think the scorekeeper, I think my parents, right. I think people on the way out of the rink. Um, right studies there have been studies that show this is a good thing to do all right look if you want to if you want to know how far that can go this is a quick challenge and I'll end the episode go to your local starbucks or whatever the local version of starbucks is and really thank your barista these people <laughs> get treated like crap by most people and they are shocked when you think well, they them. should
1: they should if you're at starbucks right? you should go, right? go to your dunkin donut uh, person and, and they're right. nicer
0: yeah <laughs> yeah i'm just making the point of this is that you know a lot of us don't realize that we we don't treat each other each other with respect and and love. Oh, it's, it's
1: you know it's horrible. I mean it's it's yeah. really it's, I, I I watch I sit back and I'm like oh man like that's so like you almost go out of your way to even be nicer to the you person. To,
0: well, if, it, it's like look look. I, I think it's also perspective. If you're upset that your golden latte took an extra two minutes, I mean you got to reevaluate your own life at that point. We all got places <laughs> to go. Like, we all got places to be. Um, right. Anyway, Mike, this was a great Except episode for the barista. <laughs> we all got we all got places to go. This was a fantastic episode. We miss Christy, but I want to let all you know, listening, uh, we've got some really great episodes and some great guests coming up. Uh, we're yeah. booked out for the next few months, um, uh, but we always leave episodes like this where we can answer your questions. So if you have a question, a comment, if you disagree with us, whatever it is, we want to hear from you. Uh, you can email us directly at Team at Our Kids Play Hockey, or uh, as many of you have been doing, join our Facebook group. It's a private group on Facebook called Our Kids Play Hockey. Uh, you just have to answer a couple quick questions very easy it's a yes or no question to, to gain access but it's a really wonderful community of people who listen to the show um, and you can ask the questions there and interact with other hockey parents again that's on facebook um, and obviously our website ourkidsplayhockey.com has all of our episodes um, and as a final request if you're still listening which we appreciate uh, if you can give this a five-star review wherever you're listening to it right just give it a quick review really helps us out a lot share it with your friends your team snaps your game sheets whatever you're in uh, we're, we want to build this community because we believe in you as parents and coaches and uh, just the the wonderful reception we get from you whenever we see you in public. I mean, it really means a lot to Mike Christie and I, so thanks for that. But that's going to do it for this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey for Mike Benelli. I'm Lee Elias. It's been a wonderful, Mike. Uh, We'll see you soon (laughs) with uh, Our Kids Play Goalie, Our Kids Play Hockey next time. Have a great week, everybody. We hope you enjoyed this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey. Make sure to like and subscribe right now if you found value wherever you're listening, whether it's a podcast network, a social media network, or our website, ourkidsplayhockey.com. Also, make sure to check out our children's book, When Hockey Stops, at whenhockeystops.com. It's a book that helps children deal with adversity in the game and in life. We're very proud of it. But Thanks so much for listening to this edition of Our Kids Play Hockey, and we'll see you on the next episode.